All right, we're in Psalm 40, and uh, we're in the part two of this message. Uh, last week we were in this psalm, and these are what we a series called imprecatory psalms. Uh, these are the psalms where David, and uh, mostly David, is some psalms that aren't attributed to him, but uh, calls for deliverance from his enemies, and specifically that God would judge his enemies. And uh, I've discovered as you go through these psalms, some of them we've touched on before, and some portions of them. But there's all kinds of gems in each and every one of these. And in particular, we've been in the section that hasn't been part of the imprecatory verses. And so tonight we're in this section. Last week we were looking at the outline here, again from Warren Wiersbe. Uh, Praise God for all he has done. And we got through those first five verses. And tonight, Lord willing, we're going to get through verses 6 to 10 and expand out of that and uh, uh, we'll <laughs> I feel bad for him I don't know uh, little guy not Nick but you know <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh uh, it's good I'm so glad they're here you know I really am um, but here it says uh, give God all that he asks and um, we're going to read starting in verse 6 going to verse 10 it says this sacrifice and offering you did not desire My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord, you yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful. Grateful for your word. Grateful for this psalm. And Lord, we most of all, we are grateful for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our salvation. And tonight, as we open up this, uh, these verses that are before us we ask you teach us as only you can and may the holy spirit have his way in our lives and may your message go out to the great assembly in jesus name amen we have here this psalm starts off with a a statement says sacrifice and offering you did not desire as david writes about what god wants what god really wants at uh, in that, And then he goes on to say, My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you did, did not require. And uh, I think it's important to note that uh, really David moves here from the pit to the rock. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the verses that precede this. And he expresses his appreciation for God's mercies. Uh, and he does that. And then he comes and he talks about the sacrifices and Um, He could have at that point brought sacrifices to the altar, but he understands that uh, that wasn't what God first desires of him. And it's important to understand that. And I think one of the things that uh, needs to be impressed, and it's impressed when you go through the Psalms especially, is that God wants us right at the heart level. Not just the outward, but the inward. And of course, David, as the Psalms, uh, as they're attributed to him, he pours out his heart And he understands that really that's the deepest, darkest part of his heart. Even God wants a hold of that and he wants his light. And you have David repenting and David uh, seeking mercy 
And here you have David talking about sacrifices and offerings, but it isn't the sacrifices and offerings that God really wanted. He wanted David. And that was the most important thing. And I could say he wants you as well. He wants your heart in that. Of course, in um, 1 Samuel chapter 15, Samuel the prophet said it this way. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in birth uh, in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed uh, the fat than the fat of rams and of course samuel got it right as he proclaims there that it's always better to obey and that's really what god wants he wants a heart that has the law of god written on it uh, and the rest is stuff that were part of the Jewish rituals, but they weren't necessarily always evident of what the heart was doing. You know, in various times in the history of Israel, it was it was uh, God looked right through the religion, and He saw where their heart was. In Proverbs twenty one three, it says, "This to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice." God is a God of righteousness and justice. And I think it's important to remind people of that. Uh, and by the way, you can't have justice without righteousness. It just doesn't work that way. It's interesting that one of the words that is a word that is used all the time now in our modern world is justice. And they, they have all kinds of different you know, things. Uh, I, I told you, I still am trying to figure out what the Department of Environmental Justice is going to be all about. I guess that's one of the things that they're trying to get going in our country now. And I'm not sure how the environment can seek justice or how that works, or maybe they're seeking injustice for the environment. I don't. But justice and justice and justice. But you, you can't have justice for people or for individuals without a righteous standard. And God is the righteous standard. Our, most of our laws, at least early on in our own country, were really founded upon a Judeo-Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, and a righteous view of the world. Has it always been perfect? And No, because we're imperfect judges and jurors sit on various court proceedings. They don't always get it right or aren't always righteous. But God is, and that's the standard. And he just reminds us of that, that justice, righteousness and justice are more acceptable to the Lord than even sacrifices. He wants fairness in things. In Isaiah, during a time when the nation had gone far from God, God reminds Isaiah, and he tells it to tell the people, says this, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? What purpose do those sacrifices occur? I often wonder when you see someone who's very religious and the activity of their life is religion, 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 but yet the, the, the fruit of their life isn't righteousness and that there are people that are like that, you know, and you, you run into them and you wonder what is the purpose of your religion in that way, right? Um, pure religion, as James puts it, undefiled is to what? What, are some, what does he say in pure religion? Remember? Widows and orphans, right? The fatherless and widows. And he says that is more important. What is that? Fairness and justice for those that are oppressed and all that. But look what he goes on to say this. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. Here the Lord says it right out there that that's not what he delights in. 
He says, when you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Here they are coming, offering their sacrifices, going through the motion, and yet they're far from God, and they're trampling on his courts. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. And when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. Boy, that could be a testimony of our world today and our nation today. And there are people who want to somehow say they're Christians, but their hands are full of blood. God says, I hate that. My soul hates it. God's, <laughs> God hates it. <laughs> wow. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before me. Cease to do evil learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. There it is, right? And that's what the Lord says they were supposed to be doing. They weren't doing those things. And that's what God wants them to do, his people to do that. We see that. Jeremiah, in his day, same thing. Look what it says in Jeremiah 7. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Wow. Here, the nation of Israel had come out of Egypt, and God didn't throw all that stuff on them, the law. Moses and all the, 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 the Levitical orders and all those things, those came later. But what he said at the heart of it, the foundation of it, is I want your obedience. I want your, your, your heart. Hosea, prophet Hosea says this in chapter 6, verse 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. In Hosea's day, they were dying for lack of knowledge. Literally, it says that in Hosea. People were dying, and they were dying apart from God, even though they called themselves God's people, but they didn't have the knowledge of God. By the way, sometimes people have access to the knowledge, but they suppress it, don't they? And they suppress it in unrighteousness. That's Romans chapter 1. They were doing that in that day. And of course, Hosea is a picture of a nation that has strayed, and it is... Uh, typified in a personal relationship between Hosea and his wife who has gone off committing adultery and into harlotry and there God says Israel you're doing the same thing to me spiritually he wants our heart Micah chapter 6 with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with, a th- with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? That's all questions, and, and emphatically, no, is the answer, really. The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul, you know. 
Of course, the Lord would do that with the Lord Jesus. God the Son would come. He would enter into humanity and become a man. In, in so doing, his fruit or the fruit of his body would be a sacrifice for sin. But you and I can't do that. We're in sinful bodies. Our soul is sinful. We are sinful. Look what he goes on to say. In verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? I think that's a wonderful life verse. It really is. What does God require of you? And he requires you to do justly and to love mercy. Sometimes we are merciful only as a last resort. Love mercy. And great here is this, I love this, to walk humbly with your God. Pride is the original sin, isn't it? The opposite of pride is humility, and it's humility in a walk with God. That's the only true humility, by the way, that you can have. In the New Testament, the principles carried over there. In this dialogue with the scribe and Jesus, the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Got it right. All the religion, I paraphrase it this way, all the religious activity in the world will not get a hold of God's attention. But what gets a hold of God and what he wants for us, not that he doesn't, he's not in tune to us at any time, but listen, he wants us to love him. He wants the heart. He uses the word sacrifice and offering, right? And by the way, the word sacrifice, that refers to a blood sacrifice, an animal that would have been killed. And uh, they were good at that. I mean, think of the probably thousands and thousands of gallons of animal blood that was shed on Jewish altars. And yet that's not what the Lord wanted, and it never took away sin. I shouldn't say it wasn't what the Lord wanted. It was part of his program of faith in that they were commanded to do that, and it was a shadow of a greater to come, right? And that's Hebrews chapter 10. All right, we'll go there in a second here. But sacrifice and offering. Offering referred to a meal offering. And that was something they would do. And the word sacrifice, by the way, was a, was, there was always a communal meal after the sacrifice. And there were various sacrifices. Obviously, the sin uh, offering and the sacrifice for sin on the Day of Atonement, the High Holy Day of Atonement, all pointed toward forgiveness that only came from uh, some a substitute dying for us right and in that case it was an animal but it pointed to where that reconciliation truly came from which is from god he says my ears you have opened and burnt offering and sin offering you do not require now this is quoted in the new testament in the book of hebrews and it's quoted a little different than the way it reads here <clears throat> because you're going from hebrew um and into the Greek New Testament and then into English. And the idiom that is used here for, for instance, my ears you have opened, is, uh, it, it means 
basically, it's referring to um, the, the birth process when a child is born. And in particular, it's those that yield the ear to the will of God. All right, the hearing of God. And that's how it's used here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> we'll go down through this, but I mentioned this this morning. And it's, it's funny, as I was going through chapter 40 here tonight and the Psalms, I was realized, oh yeah, that's a quoted in Hebrews 10. And I mentioned that in Hebrews chapter 10, you have the picture here of the sacrifice of Christ who fulfilled the Old Testament sacrifices in his final sacrifice once for all. You have the testimony of the Holy Spirit who bears witness of that. And then you have the word of God, which also testifies that. It's all found here in Hebrews 10. And it's a quote, or some of it's quoted right here in, uh, from chapter 40 of the Psalms. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. That's a statement. And the writer here simply says, all those things they did in the past and are continuing to do at the time he was writing this, they don't take away sin. They can't make you, I shouldn't say they don't, they can't perfect you or complete you. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there was a reminder of sins every year. They were stuff that had to be brought up annually, every year, or even sometimes more regularly than that. Sin offerings sometimes required any time a person sinned, they would go and offer a sin offering. But I'm thinking of the Day of Atonement, for example, when uh, the high priest would go in and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, and he would sprinkle it first for himself, a reconciliation needed for him, and also for the nation. And it was a, a picture of God's mercy when he would see the blood, right? The blood of an animal. And here in the book of Hebrews, it says those things couldn't take away sin. And they couldn't make your, you couldn't complete you. They couldn't perfect you in that. But, and it was a continual thing. And as soon as you did that, guess what? You had to do it again. And you had to do it again. And you had to do it again. Because it would never finished. For if... Or for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, and this is a quotation from Psalm 40, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Now, here it says, in the Old Testament, it says, You opened my ear. But that, again, is a Hebrew idiom, I guess is the way you'd say it. It's a reference to the birth process, a body that has been prepared and the ears become open, you became an individual who can hear and think and reason, right? In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. And that, again, is... This is psalm 40 is a messianic psalm. It, it pictures the Messiah who's coming into the world. And David is writing about the Messiah. It's quoted and in, in, in it's reaffirmed here in Hebrews 10 that that's exactly what David was, was talking about. He's talking about Christ. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. 
interesting there because the Old Testament refers to the Lord and, and it's referring to the one who is a body being prepared as God. And that is a further evidence of the deity of Christ. The psalmist, through Holy Spirit inspiration, said, O God. And in the New Testament, same thing, through Holy Spirit inspiration, it's attributed to Jesus Christ, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That is a wonderful verse, isn't it? In the Old Testament, all those sacrifices that people brought continually, and they did those rituals over and over again, could never be take away sin, and they always had to be done again and again. But Jesus did it once for all. What a sacrifice. What an offering. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, that's the humanity of Christ, He's called God in the previous verses, but he's also a man. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Great verse. You might remember it from our time when we went through the book of Hebrews. But you have one sacrifice completed in the past that is perfected and it is its ramifications continue in the future forever the tense of these verses talk about that a completed action of the past that continues forever forward and that's what jesus did but the holy spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I love that. Again, the Holy Spirit bearing witness to the word of God and and testifying of those things. And I like that because you have, again, in in Hebrews 10, you have the picture of really... The offering of the Son and really God. And then you have God the Holy Spirit who testifies of those things and the Word of God which was written. He's referring to the Old Testament. My ears you have opened. And again, I already explained that one. But that again means to um, ears that are open are ready to obey God's will. And that's exactly what, uh, and in Hebrews 10, it's the body you have prepared for me. It's the same idea. And the Messiah was willing and able to obey. When a heart is right with God, it delights in God's law and has no problem obeying. (laughs) None. Um, And the same phrase is uh, found in 1 Samuel. Uh, now the Lord has told, had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying. So how did the Lord speak? He opened the ear to Samuel. Samuel had an open ear and he heard what the Lord had to say. And this is what he quotes. Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. And you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel. 
that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Of course, we know there was a Davidic covenant later out of the house of Benjamin. And you have David um, who comes out of the house of Judah, right? And Judah would have the one that would, uh, you know, when Saul's anointed king, but then later you have David, and it was out of David's line that you have Messiah and all that. It's a good thing Samuel was supple to the voice of the Lord, and he had an open ear. Do you have an open ear? I hope you do. Psalm 119.11, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wonderful verse, isn't it? Psalm 40, verse 7. We'll go into that one. It says, Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. And uh, the idea here is, again, that the Old Testament predicts, I should say predicts, prophesies of the coming of Messiah. And that's most likely a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 17, by the way. Um, And it's in reference to that of the word of God and the scroll particular of Moses. And listen, the, the book, the scroll of the Bible, right, prophesies of the coming of Christ, and he's all through the Old Testament. It's so funny that you have people today who, again, they, I think it's out of ignorance, that would say, you don't see Jesus anywhere in the Old Testament. Well, you do. You see Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Messiah, everywhere in the Old Testament. You can't go anywhere without seeing him if you look. Because, lo, it, is, it says there, I come in the volume of the book, or the scroll of the book. And um, Isaiah chapter 6, by the way, it says here, to do my, uh, it's written of me, to do your will. But anyways, in Isaiah 6, 8, <clears throat> And I put this down, make sure I get it in the right order here. Uh, in Isaiah 6, 8, we have Isaiah hearing God and obeying the voice of the Lord, right? Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Plural. There is a triune God that beckoned to Isaiah, just like there's a triune God um, who... Uh, it was involved in the creation and resurrection and the, all of those things. Look what it says. Then I said, here am I, send me, send me. Deuteronomy 17, this is what I was quoting a while ago, or, or the scroll, maybe a reference to this. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren who shall set as king over you, you may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. 
You know, a sad testimony is I think later on Solomon. Solomon did all those things that he shouldn't have done. And yet God still used him in his mercy. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of the law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children, in the midst of Israel. Now, that part of Deuteronomy that we just read, you imagine if our world leaders did that today? You imagine if they sat down and one of the prerequisites to be a leader in America was that you have to sit down and write out the five books of Moses. And then you have to read them every day. And then you have to keep them. Man, we'd have a different world, wouldn't we? In that way. Really, the principle is that to hide God's word in our heart, it would do us well to probably write out scripture and check it over and over and over again. And yet, isn't it interesting that you had in Jesus' day scribes and Pharisees. Scribes were those people that were given the task of writing scripture. And they had to do it in such a way it was meticulous that every jot and every tittle, the smallest letters or, or accents in the Hebrew language had to be perfect. And and the scribes were so meticulous about it that, for instance, when they were writing out scripture, they would uh, write out and they would assign a numeric value to each letter. And then when they got done a portion, they would write that or they would add up all the numbers. And if the number came up different than the previous copy, they knew they had a mistake. So they checked it actually not just verbatim letter for letter but actually number for number to make sure that it added up right and if it didn't they destroyed that scroll and they would have to restart and do it again they they specialized in that and they had to get it right couldn't make any mistakes and they they did that for their their life vocation they were they this was before you had copying machines and printers and everything else they wrote the stuff out in a scroll imagine coming to the book of isaiah all 66 chapters, although we didn't have chapter divisions, but that's a long scroll. And they would get to the end, and if it didn't add up, they'd have to start again. And yet, you could spend your whole life copying Scripture, and when you come to Jesus' time, the scribes and the Pharisees, for the most part, had strayed far from God, and their heart wasn't in it. Calls them a brood of vipers. <laughs> wow. Woe unto you, he says, scribes and Pharisees. It's probably a little bit of scribe and Pharisee in us sometimes, and we we miss the most beautiful part of learning God's word and putting it in our hearts. The Old Testament bears witness of a Messiah. Luke 24, 27, here's the road to Emmaus. You have those two that are on there, and Jesus comes up next to them. Their eyes are held that they should not know him. And he begins to dialogue with them. And when it comes down to present who he is, he doesn't perform some mighty miracle. He could have turned a rock to a well or a tree or whatever, and that would have shown his power. He could have gone by some graveyard and raised up all the dead there. He doesn't do that. He goes back to the Bible 
And it's there in the Bible he begins. It says, And in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He had the Bible. And we do too. We can present Christ from the Bible. Verses 7 to 10. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in a great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. And you know, again, we see here where David delighted in uh, really presenting the good news or the news that God had given him, the word of God. And he didn't conceal it. He didn't hide it. Uh, It's important that we don't hide those things. And we have here David enthusiastically telling others. And when we sang those songs tonight, those mission songs often associated with that, you know, it reminds us we do have a story to tell the nations, right? We do have something that is light in the darkness. We have so much available to us. It's God's word and he himself in that. And I am glad that he does that. It reminds us that um, really of the Lord's resurrection praises also. Uh, In Hebrews, again, in chapter 2 this time, the writer puts it this way. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. You see, when the Son of God, God the Son, took on flesh, he was made lower than the angels. He, He left the realm of glory to come to this world, and he inhabited himself in flesh. Gave up the use of all his perfections to the will of the Father. He made himself a little lower than the angels. Why? Because we as men and women are lower than the angels in that way. But look what it says, for what reason? For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. See, he couldn't have gone and died unless he became a man. That he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying i will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly i will sing praise to you what does it do it brings praise to god as people come to know him well uh that's the the end there and then uh, next week we may just uh, i'm not sure we'll we'll talk about this part but trust god for all that remains and we see how david lays that out in this uh, wonderful psalm let's pray god we are thankful thankful for your word thankful for what you have given us thankful for salvation a salvation that is once for all And what a great sacrifice, O Lord. And Lord, as we go forth this week, help us to sing forth your praises. Help us to tell others in this world which is so dark and so hurting that there is a place to find mercy, a 
place for reconciliation, a a place, Lord, for forgiveness, a, a place for salvation. It's in Jesus. We thank you for him. We pray in his name. Amen.